It's one thing to talk about the theory behind caregiving, especially when it comes to navigating all the changes that caregivers face. But to actually put the things we talk about into practice is really the test. It's a test that caregivers face every day. That's why when you blow things right down to their essence, caregiving is a game that unfolds on the ground. It's a ground game. And who better for us to be speaking with and hearing from than someone on the ground, someone working with on a daily basis, those afflicted with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Jan Lee is one of many. Jan has a diploma in therapeutic recreation, and she gets to apply that as she works daily with residents in one of our long-term care facilities here on the Sunshine Coast. And she's here to share some of her experiences as much as she's here to provide some insight into the many challenges that caregivers face. Jan, welcome. And before we get started, I just want to make mention you are the very first guest on Caring for Changes. What an honor. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank you. And I want to begin by acknowledging the role that you have now came with some challenges in the beginning because it was different from the type of work that you were doing before. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that. So coming to the Sunshine Coast four years ago uh, was my first experience with assisted living. And that was a really hard learning curve because I was I like to anticipate people's needs and that's what I was trained to do. And you cannot do that with those who um, are trying to maintain their independence. They want, they want their independence more than anything else. And how dare you encroach on that? So that was really challenging for me to, to learn to offer my assistance and not be there anticipating their needs. And just how long of a learning curve was that for you? Are we talking weeks or months? I'd say a year. It took me a year to really get into the groove of being, okay, There's these are their options. You can choose to walk yourself or whatever, or I could walk with you and, and giving them options, but being okay that they chose one that you don't deem is safe because they're living with risk and they want to live their life their way and you have to celebrate that. What's the basic ability, the thing that's got to be there to be able to effectively interact with those on the curve of dementia? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the connection that you've made. Um, if you have a, a great connection, they become somebody that you look forward to spending time with because you have that rapport. Um, but in some cases, for me, I really enjoy being with those who are kind of critical of approach and kind of reluctant to be participating in anything um, because those are usually the loneliest people. And when you build a connection with them, it's very meaningful and it's very profound in what you learn about their past and who they are. And they're not the type to go about seeking attention, right? So you learn the true who they are and beautiful souls. Being able to draw people out like that, that takes a real talent. And that's going to be rewarding. Absolutely. Because they're not getting the stimuli that they need. They're not getting the interaction or engagement. And they need that. And, and sometimes they don't want it, so you have to respect. I always approach with the willingness, like, you know, is it okay if I come sit with you? And if they say no, then, you know, I don't. But I say, well, thank you for letting me come by and say hello. And sometimes they don't give you any response. They're just flat. And you have to kind of use body language and, and seeing if their eyes are lighting up when you come near. And, for example, I had a resident who never said anything, never participated in any program, um, but once I would bring out um, 
we have a racquetball game that we do with pool noodles and and big rubber balloon and and you put that in her hand and and away she goes she's just lively as can be but you would never have known that if you wouldn't have given her an opportunity to at least hold this the baton right so and yet she won't respond to me in any way after it's just that moment is very brief but it's huge for her because that is her only engagement in in anything right right well that's got to be a win but it's really no guarantee is it that uh, if you have success in that realm with somebody one day that that's going to be the case the next day Actually, I set myself up for failure in assuming that it's going to work the next day. Different dynamic, different people, even if the same people, it's a different environment sometimes. And things that are always a success turn out to be a failure. And if you try to push it, it becomes very frustrating for everybody. So there's been times I've had a carefully planned program outline and I had to just let it go because the residents wanted to do something else. And that is perfectly fine. That's what they needed in that moment. And I think so often we try to maximize what we think they need in that moment when really they'll just tell us what they need whether it be the body language or just they want to do something else they'll say hey this is boring that's one thing I love in working with people with um, dementia is that they're very unfiltered so it can be harsh at times but I appreciate that genuineness about them that they really do uh, want to live their best life and they'll tell you like you're wasting my time and that lack of a filter have you ever really been caught off guard with it where somebody has just come out with something that's been so outrageously clearly offside where it's been enough to knock you right off your game absolutely that happens numerous times and you can handle it a couple ways with humor it's usually unless that will offend them and the other one is to acknowledge it and say wow that was really insightful or thank you for sharing that and uh, but sometimes it does you have to kind of regain your composure because it does it and can't take it personal, but it's just their perspective and it's valuable. It's readily apparent when I talk to you about your approach, the whole level of respect that you bring to your role in the lives of those with Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia, that it's really about for you and and for many, respecting their choices. The one thing that I found is that no is, is an outlet for them because they don't get to say no here's your medications, come to eat, here's this, time for your bath. Um, No, when I say, would you like to join us for exercise this morning? No, I say, oh, great, well, have a good day. We'll see you later. I'll ask you tomorrow, you know, and and make it light and and have that as not rejection. It's their choice. And I think too often we stop asking people or inviting people because we know they're going to say no, but we don't actually know that. It could be the one day they're going to say yes. And they come and they enjoy it. And and it's happened. And it's almost given me a heart attack because somebody I've worked on in a long time, inviting jovially, and we joke about it. But they show up and I'm just like, really? Like, this is so awesome. So it's my reward um, for for the no's. And it can't be reflected internally for me. It's got to be something that I celebrate their no's. Celebrating the no's. How totally awesome is that? It's a gift. When you see people coming in for assisted living, the transition from being cared for at home by a family member has to be pretty jarring in terms of dealing with all the changes. But as much, maybe if not more, it's a challenge for the family caregiver, trying to oversee that transition, trying to learn to let go, not always easy. Now I see this a lot because one 
for example, we have quite a few new people coming in. They're coming in for assisted living, but they've actually were assessed a long time ago. And they were living at home with their family members being cared for. And they're actually way beyond being at a level for assisted living. And they're more complex care. And you see the family members so stressed and they themselves are suffering poor health, mentally, physically, and emotionally, because of the drain that this has been. And there didn't seem to be a lot of resources available because I know home care is really sparse too. And, and there's challenges in the community, but there are options out there. There are people who will support you. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is to know that you're not alone. Um, when you embark on this journey, it's overwhelming and you don't know where to turn. And there are resources available and there are lots of people who have been through the similar experiences and you need to share your story. You need to know that you're not alone in this journey and have creative ways of, of helping yourself as well. Because I see that, that by the time the resident comes into care, the family members are too worn out to even continue visiting them. They need a break for a few months and that's really unsettling for the resident who's, who's coming in. Obviously, there are times when you yourself need to take a break, need to go for self-care. And I'm wondering what self-care looks like for you. I have uh, adventures. I think adventures in my life, things that I look forward to, is, is something that gives you a break away. In all of my years of working with people, uh, it's been 100% loss. They're, they're all gone. And if I think about that, I get emotional because... It's, it's a big loss. But I think too, if I was not feeling emotional thinking back over the years and the number of people who I got to love and care about and, and have fun with, I was like, I made a connection with them and, and hopefully they felt that connection too and had moments of joy. And that's my focus is those moments of joy. And sometimes you have to be really creative and sometimes you have to let them happen on their own. If you try to control it, you'll lose it. You got to let it experience it. And you got to be honest about the experience. You know, if it's having, you're having a tough day, hey, it's a really tough day. I just, I need, I need to have a coffee break. I need to just take a walk. I just, um, I, I need a break. I just have a hot shower, have a hot bath. You know, it can be overwhelming. I, like I, some days go home and I just go to bed and that's okay. I try not to judge myself on taking care of myself. So as someone who's fostering connection between people, I mean, it's great to see that connection flourish, but by and large, recognizing that every situation is different has got to be part of the mix. Always. Always ways of learning, new ways of doing things. There's no right and wrong. Each person is unique. Each situation is unique. Each family interaction is unique. Some residents have great family support. Others have no family support. So, you know, how do you connect everybody together? And I think being a community really helps because I see... For example, you come in a lot and you've built a community around your visits with other residents who may not have family who come by. And the same can happen for those who have family members, right, who are struggling and they see each other in and build a friendship and understanding with each other. Right. How do you bridge things when you're in the room with a resident and with their family members and it's clear to you that the resident is being talked around as if they're not there. What's your take? You know, I see that quite often. And that's really hard because you can see by the body language of the person that they're talking about. They're understanding every other word or so. And you can see it's impacting their mood. And you can see distress occurring because they don't have a say. 
And if I encounter that, I always approach the resident and say, oh, this is your family and tell me a little bit about your family. And if they're not capable, um, you know, I talk to the family. It's like, what does your mom like to do? You know, what's her favorite music? Because music is always a bridge, right? You can always get a smile or a toe tap from their music, their kind of music, or their family, pictures of their children, their dog, their cats, whatever it may be, things that brought them joy. Um, And sometimes the family needs a reminder that, they're still here. And I, I did have an example of, of a, two daughters that came in to see their mom many years ago at a previous care home. And one daughter was always talking to her mom like, who am I? You know, what's my name? And you could just see the resident being frustrated and getting angry. And the daughter was crying and mom, my mom forgets me. And the other daughter was whoever her mom needed to be in that moment. I'm the garbage man, I'm, I'm the doctor, I'm the, you know, whatever she needed in that moment, the daughter was there for, and they had a beautiful relationship, and she continued to volunteer at that care home even after her mom passed away, um, which was a beautiful testament, because her journey was not a fight, it wasn't emotionally draining, it was a journey, and it was respected, and she respected her mom, and she respected the ways Um, that her mom needed somebody at that moment, and she was willing to be whatever the label may be for the mom that day. One thing I picked up on as a caregiver, and I'm sure a lot of people do, is the idea of flexibility. You just have to realize that every day is going to be unique, as every person is unique, and flexibility really is key. I think the number one is always respect. Um, It's respect for both, because, you know, the resident, or I don't want to call them resident when they're they're at home. Um, so we're going to say the person, um, the person with some challenges is, is going through these challenges and is not aware of the gravity of the situation, but it's coming in floods. So you're going to have moments where things just will not happen. No matter if it's like going outside, getting ready to go outside, it's, it's not going to happen and you can't fight it. The best thing to do is to just let it not happen and let them have a sense of control of their environment again. Um, and not to be frustrated, because I, I think that those with some challenges will realize your emotional state far more than you think you're hiding it. Mm. They can sense your energy level, they can sense in your body language more the more so than you could think that you're you know, if you're hiding something, they're gonna they're gonna know. Like residents can tell you're having a bad day. I was like, I'm smiling, I'm doing my usual thing, and I was like, How did you know? They call me on my on my hard days and they can see it or if I'm really hyper they're like oh too much coffee today (laughs) you're too loud for me I get that so if I'm and you have to really watch the the energy of the day you can't come in with an agenda you have to go with the flow but it's almost like there is an agenda but it's their agenda and there's nothing wrong with that I think we place a lot of blame on ourselves because our task didn't get done. And that's just wrong. That's where it needs to stop is that you're doing the best you can. You're caring in the moment. And those moments are going to change and they're going to vary. And it's it's going to be okay. Hmm. I imagine that it must be just a solace to family caregivers to see their loved one's needs being met and to really see firsthand the benefit to their loved one but really to themselves too, because a lot of family caregivers are simply burnt out when they come to see you. Well, family usually come in and they're so relieved, right? And, and anybody talking to them and understanding their journey, um, I'm, I'm quite affectionate and open. And sometimes they confide in me and 
and they just need somebody to give them a hug or cry, and that's okay. Um, I give them my phone number at work. I don't give my personal number, of course, but I give my number at work because I'm I'm the fun person. I'm the person that their family member can come in and, and do some fun things. So even if they do come into a program and they pop in momentarily, come and go, it's it's all right. They're welcome. They're accepted. And And I think just kind of bridging the fears is a big one too because they have so many fears of the unknown that they no longer can able to filter things out for themselves and how to to what to do next and to know that they're not alone and that there are people who who love their family member and love them too and want them to take care of themselves and I see family members who try too hard and you know they're suffering their quality of life is gone too trying too hard what does that look like they redecorate the residence room you know to make it look look aesthetically pleasing they're calling all the time they're coming in taking them for walks and the resident doesn't want to go for walks but they're going to come in because they made the time to take them for a walk it's okay that they're not going for a walk you know we sit there with them have a coffee with them but don't feel a sense of obligation to do something just being I had an example this week where I was with somebody who was very distraught and they were continually calling out and, and nobody wanted to be around them and they were shoved in a corner which is really unfortunate and I went and sat with them with an iPad and just put on music. And, and the next thing I know, they were asking for Guy Lombardo. And, and so I put on Guy Lombardo. And, and I asked them if I could sit and hold their hand. And they said, yeah. And it was just pretty amazing to have that interaction because I honestly didn't uh, think I would get that kind of response. And after half an hour of sitting together... I went to leave and I said, you know, it was nice meeting you. And they turned to me and they said, it was nice meeting you too, like as clear as can be. And it was just like, wow, I came out of the their room and uh, my face was all lit up and the staff were like, what, what happened? And I said, I just had the most incredible uh, communication happen. And as I was leaving, this person says, um, bring the computer. Like she, They liked the computer with the music, with the iPad on it. So... I was like, never assume that people aren't aware of their environment. Just give them the opportunity. And and as a caregiver, you know, that could just be something you enjoy doing as well. Just let them join you in doing that. Whether it be sitting, listening to music or having a cup of tea, that is something you enjoy and, and something that they can appreciate as well. And there's some moments where you're probably going, you know, I, I just couldn't have planned that. None of it. It was completely spontaneous. And those are my most beautiful moments usually are the ones that are spontaneous and they're in the moment and it it just evolved. I didn't know how to handle some situations, but they just unfolded the way they needed to in that moment. I had a resident help me out, 94 years old, and I was trying to do a that active game with the balloon and, and the baton and I, I didn't have time to blow up the balloons. So I asked her, I said, would you like to help me by blowing up the balloons? And I had a it's not a bicycle pump, but it's a little handheld pump. And she's like, I've never done anything like this before, but why not? And she blew up my balloons for me. Couldn't tie them, but we had a good laugh when she'd let them go and they go flying through the room. And it was part of, of the program of blowing up these balloons with the pump. And and it was, I never would have thought to include them in that part of it, because that's my job is to have the equipment ready. But Having her assist me gave her a sense of meaning and purpose in the group as well. And it was fun. Right. And if you can make a game out of it. And it really did help me out. 
Like it was a genuine, it wasn't a made up task. We used to do a laundry folding program where we would have all these towels and then we put them in the dryer, run down to the laundry and put them in the dryer with some essential oils so they smell nice and then bring them back up nice and warm and the residents would help fold them. And then one lady goes, I noticed this towel. I had this one before. Why do I have the same towel? And then they caught on that we were, you know, putting them back and forth. So they want meaningful tasks, just even if it's simple. It's fun. You know, I'll do dishes if it's fun. Dishes usually aren't my cup of tea, but I will do dishes if you can make it fun. Put some bubbles in it. Put some music on. I think as caregivers, we're a little hard on ourselves, thinking we have to be on all the time. And there has to be days, I mean, you're only human, where you show up and you just know you're not into it. It's going to be an effort for you to get there. How do you deal with that? Now, sometimes I, I take some time to adjust. It's, it's when you're clouded, sometimes, too, you, you get hard on yourself because you're not seeing things clearly and able to make the right decisions. And sometimes I just have to be kinder to myself. But leaving is the hard part because my job is never done. You know, there's always more I can do. And you have to be kind to yourself and saying, I did what I could today. We've been short-staffed and I've been doing two people's jobs and sometimes I get short with everybody because I'm trying to do so much and I need to say, hey, this is, I need to stop. I need to start saying no. And learning how to say no in a way that's not abrupt and rude because Mm -hmm. I have a challenge with that. I wait to the point where I'm so frustrated and I'm learning my cues now. I'm learning to say, hey, I'm feeling clouded, I'm feeling frustrated, I need to just step back. I'm wondering what your message would be to the family caregiver not catching a break. They're obviously emotionally invested, caring about nothing more than their loved one's well-being to the point that where they've lost perspective and they don't understand something as simple as just taking a pause. And that one second of a pause may feel like an eternity, but it can make a difference between reacting to something that's happened and responding to it. Big difference. For a caregiver, somebody who's caring for their loved one, their job is the same. It's always, they always are thinking about their job. What what do I have to do next? What do I have to remember? What am I forgetting? And that's draining. That's hard on you too, not being kind to yourself and being aware that we're only human. And missteps, misjudgments, mistakes, they're part of it. They're gonna happen. I, I totally agree with that because I think so often too, like for myself, I, I'm rushing around and I'm trying to think of, of what I need to do. And I get to go home at the end of the day to do those things. And a loved one with a family member, they don't have that. And I'm sure that they don't realize how far down the rabbit hole they are. And if you're so far along, you just can't see that. How, how do you deal with that? Talking. I think is the biggest thing, letting others know your journey. Um, If you don't share what you're going through and aren't open to people being there to support you, whether it be just saying, giving you permission for yourself to just have a break or having the staff say, we've got this, go and enjoy yourself. Yet sometimes the level of dedication that people have for one another can be a real source of inspiration. We have a couple of residents who are are married and um, one is a caregiver. So we're finding that same challenges is that one is a caregiver and they're living in care, but yet they're the primary caregiver. So they're getting drained and it's wonderful to see them bring their loved one to an activity and go. And I say, what are you going to do with your hour? And 
I'm going to go sleep uninterrupted. And it's like, you know, it's a simple pleasure. But having that where you know you can let your guard down and you can just be yourself and, and got no pressures, it's so important. Can you think of, I mean, I'm sure you probably have lots of examples where you've gotten to bear witness to some true beauty in relationships between people, truly beautiful moments. There was a testimony of one of the residents that I had many years ago. Um, He passed away at 101, but he was one of these caregivers that was living in a nursing home because his wife needed to be in care constantly. And he was with her every single day and she did not know him and he never fought it he never tried to you know remember none of this he was just loving he was kind uh he cared for her he made things fun for her the love and adoration that he had for her and people would say well why are you here you don't need to be here you know why why be there for your wife and he says you know my wife is the same person that i married but just taking different shapes, and I want to love all those shapes. And I thought, how incredible is that, that this person who had this young, vibrant bride is still with her, even though she doesn't acknowledge him in the slightest, and yet he wants to love her because that's her new shape. That's unconditional. That's unconditional, and that's rare. But it's something we can all strive for. And you know when it happens because you just feel it. You feel it. You feel it. It radiates. Wow. Jan Lee, a real inspiration. Thanks once again so much for gracing us with your wisdom, your insights, and and for joining us here today. Wonderful to be uh, an opportunity to talk and share with you. Home Healthcare Network thanks you for listening to our podcast, Caring for Changes, with yours truly, B.J. Doyle. And we hope you'll join us for our next episode where we will discuss other aspects of home care and dementia care with a caregiver's focus. In the meantime, you can find out more information at our website, homehealthcarenetwork.ca.